You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost Welcome to another special edition of Why Blank Lost as we discuss Survivor Token Teens Episode 12 or Episode 13 if you go according to CBS All Access or Wikipedia. But no matter what, it's about the vote out of the one and only coach. I'm David Bloomberg, and those of you watching on video have by now figured out that the other person with me is not Jessica Lewis. Uh, this week in our RHAP off-season journey through time, I have a special guest from the podcasting class of 2020 as a guest host. So welcome, Sarah Carradine. Thank you very much, David. Hi, everybody. Uh, so Jessica was, unfortunately, uh, she has this unavoidable work commitment that came up rather suddenly and Sarah agreed to step in. Uh, so maybe we should start, Sarah, what is your survivor history? Well, I'm what you would call a passionate amateur, definitely a casual, not an expert like you, nor a player like Jessica. Uh, I'm from Australia. I'm Sarah from Sydney. Some of you may know me from my B&B quizzes. Um, the first knowledge that I had of Survivor was I was actually in New York when the first season was being uh, broadcast, and a friend of mine worked at the at the um, at the broadcast company and had a buff, so we sat and watched it in our buffs. <laughs> they were the promotional buffs, and then I really didn't pick it up again till Nicaragua, and I remember people talking about it and saying it's so great. Uh, and of course, that's Fabio. And I thought, yeah, I don't know about this so much. <laughs> uh, but I stuck with it and really became much more into it um, during One World and Philippines with the, those two amazing winners, uh, Kim and Denise, who we just saw again. I was very excited to see them again. 
And then, and then once you start listening to Rob has a podcast and the whole network of many survivor podcasts and others, uh, you know, the interest just grows and grows. So that's, that's my, that's my story. All right. All right. Well, again, welcome. And in honor of you, you joining me on this podcast, I wrote you a poem. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. With friend and foe, we march to the battle plain. Some to seek success, others to seek fame. We play with honor for the love of this game. And with armor or without, we will toil in vain. So that someday, someone, somewhere will remember our name. David, that is so beautiful. Just a moment. I just just have to wipe a tear from my eye. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, And uh, for me, I haven't slept in three days. I haven't eaten in three days. I've had no water and I feel absolutely amazing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, when Coach, when when Coach read that poem, which he obviously stole from me, um, Mm. you know, the the jurors were, were, were falling asleep. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. You know, I must have recited it better. I think there's something in your tone that that really gets past the fact that we toil in vain so that someone will remember our name. In other words, it, nobody remembers our name. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Coach has a kind of uh, very interesting relationship with the English language. I don't think words mean quite what he thinks they mean. Yes, that's true. Now, what I, what I did think was really funny was Stephen Fishback was right there when coach read this poem and everything that happened around it. And then he went on survivor game changers. No, I'm sorry. Survivor second chances and recited a poem of his own. It's like, apparently he didn't learn. (laughs) It's your job to make everyone learn David. And uh, when they do, we'll all be perfect survivor players. There you go. There you go. As a matter of fact, yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. So for, uh, anyone, anyone who has not seen this podcast before, uh, or if you haven't just need a reminder, or even if you don't need a reminder, I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, each week, uh, you know, as we do during the season right now, we'll look at, uh, how coach did compared to the rules I originally wrote way back after season one and have been modifying ever since. Uh, you know, as the regular listeners know, we watch the whole season up to this point. So we can gather together everything and then add in secret scenes and interviews from the time, including my own. Um, my rules have, of course, changed since then. Uh, and people can check out the most recent version at robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or they can get the shorter and much more colorful version in poster form right behind me here <laughs> at tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. And of course, uh, as, as Jessica would tell you, if she were here, uh, you know, this was uh, designed, uh, drawn by Eric Reichenbach. And, uh, if you are from outside of the U.S., such as Sarah is, uh, you can, uh, uh, contact Jessica, uh, through, uh, Twitter, DM her because, uh, eBay won't sell outside the U.S. And then our shipping department, known as Jessica, will take care of it. Um, in addition to the poster, we do have another way you can get the rules and always have them with you. And that is T-shirt form. Uh, so uh, that you can get at robhasawebsite.com or robhasapodcast.com. Click the merch link near the top, sort the store so the new items are first and proof the shirts will be there. 
So, um, for those people, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more announcements before we move forward here. For those who may have missed our announcement the past couple of weeks, we have expanded Why Blank Loss to include Big Brother All Star Season. Uh, so for a couple more weeks, you'll be getting a, a double dose of Why Blank Loss. Um, and as I mentioned, we we're doing things a little bit differently uh, there because we're bringing in guests each week. Uh, some will be people, you know, some will be new names uh, that we hope there'll be a good mix. And uh, we appreciate everybody who reached out to uh, tell us uh, about how you enjoyed the first episode with Ronnie Talbot from Big Brother 11. And uh, anyone who hasn't listened. I think you should give it a listen because even though the title is why Keisha lost and you may be like, well, yeah, we, we know why Keisha lost. Uh, there's, first of all, we think that we still add something to it, but also there's a lot of other discussion. Uh, I, I think one of the best parts of it was just Jessica and Ronnie swapping reality TV stories. Yes, it was very insightful to have have both of them, and particularly him having been in the house, just talking about the the really the day to day, some of the the logistics, what he learned by not winning himself. Yeah. Uh, it was really yeah. fascinating as a newbie to to Big Brother as well. Uh, I found it fascinating. Okay, well, good. Um, now we have several things to discuss before we get to coach, as we usually do. And I'd like to uh, start, uh, although I've already referenced my friend Stephen Fishback, I I'd like to start with him. Although he's a know-it-all now, when his season was airing, uh, I was his know-it-all. Uh, I interviewed him after the finale. And uh, as we were talking, he said, I read the site every week. Your guys' recaps and analysis. I'm nervous. This is the one I'm most nervous for. This is the source for behind the scenes talk. So, of course, he was talking to when, you know, I used to write or when we ran reality news online. And, uh, you know, how, however nervous he may have been, he did make it through the interview just fine. <laughs> and he made it through the seasons pretty well as well. Yes, he did. Um, now, I, I speaking of Stephen, I noticed that in episode two, he was having fun hanging out with JT and admitted it might make him look like JT's awkward, goofy right-hand man. Now, we've seen people get the million-dollar quotes early in the season before. I've never heard anyone get the $100,000 quote before because that's basically <laughs> it. I mean, he was basically telegraphing, I'm coming in second. He didn't intend to. No, he didn't intend to, but, uh, you know, that's the way it came out. Um <laughs> But on, on the plus side, as much as people make fun of Steven for some of his challenge performances that we've seen, he did win the challenge for his tribe in the yeah. second episode uh, by making that you know winning basket. Uh, and he won individual immunity later in the season through an amazing comeback to solve a memory and math problem. It was extraordinary. I, I yeah. really like that he explained how he did it as well, because it looked like a, a, a feat of magic. But it was logic. Yeah. 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 Uh, I do also have to say, I love the fact that he tried to get them to name the merge tribe Dingus. Um, you know, he came up with this whole supposed backstory about what the word means. Well, in this language, it means da 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 da. And it's Dingus. And, and people were like, there's no way Jeff Probst is going to say, come on in, Dingus. Well, he might, but it's not going to be your tribe yeah. name. He tried to give it a very nice, uh, a very nice quality, but the dingus, yeah. dingus, yeah. no, 
No. <laughs> now, now, I had also forgotten how much everybody absolutely loved JT. You know, Brendan mm. wanted him gone and then went on one reward with him and was literally trying to plan a way for JT to get to the finals. And he said, if JT won, it would be like him winning. That was absolutely, that was extraordinary. I have to say, look, watching the whole season again, I mean, I've had in my head, Mm -hmm. you know, Stephen was the mastermind, Stephen was the strategic powerhouse. But to see my my view of JT's game, I always liked him, but to, to see the season from beginning to end and watch his, he is, he is strategic, he's very uh, able to read people, he understands very much how he's seen and he used that to his advantage and everybody absolutely loved him. Even Debbie was saying, take me to three and I will give up immunity and send you to, right. to final two, but it was really because of JT. Yeah. Now, uh, Stephen actually told me in in our interview, he said Timbira had this weird obsession with him. They were like, you're the perfect human being. The only flaw is your friends with Stephen. <laughs> but that was such a great uh, asset rather than a flaw, I think. Yes. Yeah, I agree. As we've seen when JT has played by himself. Um I think that's what might have tarnished our thought about about his first season was to see him in his subsequent seasons. But to go back, and I do recommend it if you have if you have the time, if you have thirteen right. hours, uh, to go and look at it and actually see what a strong player uh, he was. I think we've we've in our minds sort of downgraded him somewhat. So it's really worth a rewatch. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting because, you know, I have now watched I watched him going forward and then I watched him going backwards because you know, heroes versus villains was what a week, two weeks ago, something like that, that we did. And so we saw him then with his, you know, dumb plan to give away the idol to Russell. And so, but now seeing it going backwards, that means the most recent thought of him I have in my head is his best game. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So now um, I mentioned last week that when I originally watched the season at the time, I was not a fan of Tyson. And watching it back, I truly don't know what I was thinking back then. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I already know he's hysterical from his later appearances, meeting him in person. I guess I just didn't get him back then for whatever reason, I, which I don't understand because he's such a sarcastic smartass. And I love people like that. Uh, so I, I don't know. My old self was wrong. I do remember you saying that about uh, having not been a fan of him in the first place. And I had... David, I have to say exactly the same thought. He's a dry, sarcastic, smartass, and so are you. Surely, surely you would have seen yourself oh. in that gorgeous package with that beautiful, that beautiful yeah. face. And in fact, I was, I was thinking, well, why did Tyson lose? Perhaps we should do why Tyson lost. Although I'm sure yeah. you wrote about it at the time. Yes, I'll send you that link. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I do have one more thing I want to mention. In uh, and uh, I think this, both of us will appreciate this. Um, in the very first tribal council of the season, there was a discussion about whether or not Sandy should be voted out. And Jeff Probst asked if it was fair to vote out Sandy, quote, just because she's old. Jeff Probst. She's not old. She was older than the rest, but she was 53. She wasn't 105. Mm. Now think about this. Jeff Probst is now five years older than she was then. And I wonder what he would think if someone came up to him and said, Jeff Probst, you're old. 
It, it, his, uh, the way he speaks to women and men is a, perhaps a subject for another discussion. <laughs> but that, that idea of the old woman or the older woman, and it's certainly why in that first instance, as soon as they get off the truck and they have to vote someone off, they look around and they, and they right. pick her. They feel like she's not going to be strong. Um, and it's the same, the same with Reem going first. She felt it was because she was the uh, middle-aged woman. But I think our first encounter, David, you and I, was I tweeted at you and said, how does the older woman uh, avoid being the first one out? And do you remember what you said back to me at the time? We were talking about Reem. You said basically do everything the opposite of what (laughs) Reem just did because for you it wasn't (laughs) – it wasn't her age and it wasn't her being the older woman. It was, you know, a, a series of, uh, of choices that she made about how she wanted to play. And I, I found that very interesting. And we see with Sandy that although she's the first one that they uh, get rid of, she stays through till, I've got my notes here, she stays through till the fourth um, tribal council. Right. Right. Which was only their second vote. Um, because the other tribe went twice. But I also, I, I still don't think it was because, well, first of all, Again, Jeff Probe, she's not old. 53, not she's, old. Older, I'll grant you that, but not old. Uh, but I think other aspects of Sandy's personality, uh, you know, I'd have to look back at why why uh, Sandy lost. But I'm pretty sure from watching it, I have a good idea of what I said. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Because in, um, and, and, you know, spoilers a hoe, in uh, season three of uh, Australia, the reboot of Australian Survivor, the winner was 63, a 63 year old woman. Right. Um, and uh, nobody called her old. But she's an Olympic gold medalist. So, you know, yeah. maybe. But uh, she, in fact, used that to her advantage. She's an, she's an athlete. She's an inc- incredibly strong woman. She's, in, in case people don't know, it's, it's, she was a swimmer. Um, but she, in fact, used the view of herself as an older woman to downplay her threat. Right. And, right. and won, you know. So. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get to the rules, was there anything else that you wanted to discuss? Uh, no, I think uh, the, it's interesting. I, w- I wanted to, to talk about JT and I wanted to, to say how nice it was to see, you know, Tyson um, in his mm-hmm. first game and see the seeds of, of, you know, the great player he was going to become. But he was a, yeah. he was a good player then. He just, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, hitched his wagon to slightly the wrong, the wrong <laughs> star. <laughs> Even though he said that uh, he was twice the player uh, that coach was. Yes, at least, at least. So, all right. Well, before we fully engulf ourselves in the rules, I want to quote something from those rules that we occasionally have to say as a reminder of what we do here. Um, I bring it up a lot. uh, or I bring it up because a lot of what coach said, both on the show and in interviews after contained some version of the claim that he wanted to change the game and not necessarily win. But as the introduction to the rule says, the presumption here is, quote, is that the player actually wants to win the game. They shouldn't be there for the experience or to face the toughest opponent or whatnot. Survivor is a game and the goal is to win. Period. That is the basic assumption here. And these rules can lead good players to that end goal. To quote Harry, a super fan on the most recent season of Australian Survivor. People should play to win. 
Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that you say is that production is making a television show and the players should want to win the game. And right. um, I mean, that's something that I'm sure we'll talk about with Coach, but he was he was aware of the television show very oh, yes. much so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so this was the type of episode where the viewers knew Coach was getting booted and we just kind of got to sit back and watch. Uh, I don't know if there has any or ever been anybody more melodramatic than Coach. And knowing that he was getting booted only added to that drama, us knowing. Coach fought in the immunity challenge with swelling music as he gave a primal yell uh, while in the final moments. But he didn't realize that would be it for him. He thought his warrior alliance would take him to the very end. That damn evil wizard, Stephen, joined the women and turned on him. What happened? How did he make it uh, this far? And why couldn't he make it to the end? Where could he have possibly gone wrong? Let's once again figure out why Coach lost. Yes, let's. So, yeah. so the first rule says to scheme and plot. And while our first mm -hmm. instinct might be to say Coach didn't do this because he was playing a, oh, there we go, honest game uh, and allegedly wanted to take the best players to the end, that actually wouldn't be quite true. In fact, Coach did scheme and plot, especially early on. Uh, mm -hmm. As we would see him do time and time again, he had ways to rationalize this. But from his tribe's very first vote, we saw him turn people against Candace after she suggested he should go. Then Tyson told him that Brendan was making allies on the other tribe with his repeated trips to Exile Island. And Coach immediately jumped on the idea of voting Brendan out, which I'm sure had nothing at all to do with the fact that Brendan was supported as a better leader by some on his tribe. And nothing course, to do with that. No. And of course, <laughs> Coach made alliances with JT and Steven. And later he tried to bring Sierra back into an alliance despite having made it clear that she was definitely not one of the best people in his eyes. So, yes, he did scheme and plot. Uh, yes, that's true. And those are all the notes that I have. But he did it in a very reactive way, I think. So on the first day or in the first episode, certainly we see him approaching Brendan, uh, saying, let's get together. I am very honest and I have integrity and I can see that in you. And then immediately, you know, confessional from Brendan going, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. <laughs> You could see that as soon as the idea of who was the leader of the tribe uh, became, well, it was only a choice of the men, of course, mm -hmm. um, and the idea was that it was Brendan. Uh, in fact, uh, Jerry was asked at a tribal council, you know, who's the leader, coach is ready to be named. Again, Brendan is named. Uh, and I think so his scheming and plotting against Brendan was an emotional and reactionary skimming and plotting, I think. Um, he does do something very clever where he rewrites the narrative. It'll surprise you to know oh, he rewrites yes. the narrative um, at a point where he's talking about what the Warrior Alliance has done. He talks about doing this, that and the other. And, of course, getting out Tyson when he started to be sketchy, completely obliviating, uh, that's not a word, um, uh, the fact that he was oblivious to, in fact, was a blind side of himself when when uh, Tyson right. went. He didn't he didn't know what was happening, but he then assumes that into his um, narrative of his of his uh, um, strategy. Uh, we we got rid of Tyson when he started to get sketchy. Uh, so uh, it, it is scheming and plotting, but it's a very reactionary after the fact uh, scheming and plotting in, in my mind anyway. Yeah, and even 
whatever he did, he wasn't, he clearly wasn't the best strategist there. Uh, in episode 11, JT told us that he felt he was a few steps ahead of coach and strategy. And my immediate thought was just a few steps. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. He would, he would tell coach whatever he wanted to hear to make him think they were on the same page. And in the beginning of this episode, kind of the, uh, the whole thing, like ex- exactly what you were talking about, changing the narrative, coach said he knew he was no longer in control of the tribe. Yes. yes. You know, it, it, well, I have a hint to send back in time to coach. You are never in control of the tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, he and the rest of Timbira worked hard to get to the merge with the majority and just threw it all away. Yes, he made no attempt to, uh, when he tries to, when he thinks it's a good idea to have Sierra's vote again, or I think Debbie mm-hmm. alerts him to the fact, he made absolutely no attempt to to woo her. Um, Debbie says, so you'll do whatever coach wants. And coach says, well, you've got no choice. And, of course, Sierra says, well, yes, I do have a choice. So <laughs> even having that strategy handed to him, We'll get the Timbura four back together. We'll bring back in Aaron and Sierra. He made no, he didn't think about how to do it. He just demanded that, that Sierra uh, come back to him after the appalling way he spoke to her. Appalling. Um, but he didn't ever see it from the other person's point of view. So he decided Sierra had no other option rather than wondering what other options Sierra might have and how he could present himself as a better option. Right, right. And, and then another reason on top of that, that he was not exactly the best strategist uh, was he wouldn't lie. And he said that, well, he, he said that he wouldn't lie. We'll get to that. Um, but uh, he wanted to surround himself with warriors, adding that even if they beat him, that's the honorable way to play the game. Well, no, that's the dumb way to play the game because it is a game. But of course, not to coach. Uh, when I interviewed him and asked him how taking the most deserving and strongest players to the end would be a winning strategy, he said it was a different strategy. As I said, I wanted to change the game. If I won along the way, it would be a bonus. It was almost a winning strategy. Okay, that's what he said. Personally, I would say it was nowhere near a winning strategy. Mm-hmm. Yes, Debbie had a more of a winning strategy than he did, but they, yes. let's not compare. <laughs> well. Yeah, and it even wasn't even just that Coach was gung-ho about his way of playing. It was that he also criticized those who played the game correctly, you know, such as when he was talking about Sierra a couple episodes earlier, and he said, she's going to do whatever it takes to get farthest in the game without any honor. Oh, the horror. She's trying to get farther in the game. How could she? Yes, or played the game at all. I, I did notice in the beginning. The beginning of uh, Coach's boot episode, Jeff's voiceover says, "Coach thought he was in the driver's seat. Coach was clueless. Yeah. Can go, co- and then can Coach regain control? At which point, both you and I went, well, he right. never had control in the first place.' Um, I, th- I, I think Jeff really enjoyed sure. having Coach around and really enjoyed uh, pressing his buttons. And uh, the other people that really enjoyed Coach were the uh, sound editors who loved to put all that swelling oh, music." Yes. Uh, in around him. Yes. Yeah. Um, now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're back. So let's get back to the show. So now, I think we can move on to the second rule, which says not mm-hmm. to scheme and plot too much and to keep your scheming secret. Coach certainly didn't have a problem with scheming and plotting too much because, well, he never, you know, we knew that, but he never kept his scheming secret because he was always very clear as far as who is his ally, who his allies were. With this knowledge, JT and Steven could plan their moves easily, knowing who to boot when. And coach, on the other hand, never as we've already been talking about, never really understood the true alliances in the game. Yes, I I think that's true. He certainly didn't do it too much, but there was no secrecy about um, what he wanted to do. He said in episode 12, my instincts are that Taj has to go. So JT uh, at the time said it's tiring to keep reassuring him. But one of the great things was he was so completely predictable about what he was going to do, that he was very easy to get around. I don't know if that counts as not keeping your scheming secret, but I, I think so. He was very vocal about his likes, his dislikes, who was to go next, who was honourable, who was dishonourable, who was cancer, who was poison, who, mm-hmm. who was, you know, iron sharpens iron and all of that. So, yes, not scheming too much and certainly not keeping his moves secret right. such as they were. Yeah. So the third rule talks about being flexible. Uh, when Coach was um, on Exile Island, he said his character is, quote, unbending, unyielding, immovable. And that's really about all we need to hear because he was right. Uh, in this case, he was 100% correct. As we've already discussed, he came to change the game of Survivor. But that's not what a player should be there to do. He was fighting a battle while everyone else was playing for a million dollars. He said in his final words, I cannot imagine why someone would want to keep Aaron over me in the Warrior Alliance. And I was thinking, he literally can't imagine that. And that's a big part of his problem. Yeah, Yes, I, I think so. Really early on, he makes the statement, I will never align with her, talking about Aaron early on, because he's decided that she's not worthy. And mm-hmm. it's like, but you might need to. And as we saw in, in uh, the 12th episode or the 11th or how are you number the one before he went, yeah. uh, he did need to uh, woo and align with her and Sierra to have any chance of getting further. Uh, but in his mind, because he's made this statement, I will never, and he makes a lot of never always statements. He makes a lot of definitive uh, statements, and that's where where there's just no flexibility in those kinds of uh, statements and in that kind of thinking that it, that, that those statements display. So yeah. not flexible. Now, yeah. And another part, of course, was, as we already mentioned, he said he would never lie. But here's the thing. He did. Uh, Sierra demonstrated 
you know, that, that, that he did by telling the story of, of coach and Debbie approaching her to reform their tribal alliance and be Timbira strong. But while coach accused Sierra of having a faulty memory, it was clear that he was the one suffering from that. Now I asked him about the situation when I interviewed him, I asked him a lot of questions that, that, you know, I was like, well, what the hell? I'll just throw it all at him here. Uh, and he admitted that he was wrong. He claimed that he confused that conversation with one from a couple days earlier uh, when Sierra supposedly approached him. Now, it's convenient. We don't have footage of the time that Sierra supposedly approached him a couple days earlier. But he did say to me, I wish I would have handled the Sierra situation better. I was not lying to stay in the game. I'd almost believe that he wasn't lying to stay in the game. I think that that lie is much more about it it shatters the 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 shell this this um mask that he wears of of the warrior the noble person more about uh he shouldn't have lied to shore up his his view of himself rather than he shouldn't have lied you know to stay in the game because i don't think he was trying for that um he said it would make him physically sick to a lie with Aaron, which is uh, sorry sierra um and in that time it was it was such a mess and it was so obvious that that uh, Sierra was at least telling the truth from her her viewpoint that JT and Stephen knew. But I think they probably knew anyway. I mean, I right. think anybody that says they never lie and they only work with integrity is going to be viewed suspiciously by survivor players. Yeah. Now, I do think, uh, and, uh, you know, where do we put in the stuff about lies? Well, I put it into this rule. But I, I do think there are other problems okay. with his claims of honesty. Um, on the Survivor Insider videos, he told JT and Stephen a story of when he had a brain tumor two years earlier and the doctors <laughs> gave him six weeks to live because there was nothing anyone could do about it. But he fought it mentally and shrunk it down to the size of a pinky. Uh, now, JT told us. The story doesn't sound legit to him, uh, adding coach may be a little bit delusional. I worry about coach sometimes. And JT was right to be skeptical because coach previously had an interview with another website, not mine, in which he said he had tests done because they thought he had a brain tumor, but he did not have a tumor after all. Then when I spoke to him, I didn't ask him directly about this, but he mentioned uh, we were talking about his tattoos, and he mentioned he had gotten one of them when, quote, I had the growth on the back of my head. So he even called it a growth, not a cancer, not tumor. You know, I, I suppose it's possible some doctor misdiagnosed him or told him, if it's a tumor, you might only have six weeks to live. But he made these contradictory statements. And let's face it, there's no way Survivor is giving the medical okay to someone who has a brain tumor. Mm. It would be a very different game, huh? Yeah. And also I think just generally uh, doctors don't no longer give people um, uh, amounts of time because they are either obedient or, you know, they don't know, uh, and it's not common practice. And it hasn't been since uh, probably for 15 or 20 years, I don't think. Yeah. It just sounds very dramatic. I have yes. weeks to live, you know. Yes. and uh, Yes. And then – so, I mean, you know, people may wonder, why are you even bringing this up? It's, it's all about his quote unquote honesty, which was related to his inflexibility. But again, he wasn't honest. Now, going to coach's final words, not just the ones that we saw, but the ones from the Survivor 
insider extras as recapped by uh, at the time, my insider recapper, Carrie Kennedy uh, coach said, I did not dishonor myself. I told the truth at all times. I did not mislead anyone. And as a warrior, I find the honor in defeat more than the honor in victory. Well, as, as Carrie noted, I think coach really believes the things he's saying here. He did lie and deceive, but he doesn't seem to realize he did so. It's amazing how anyone who doesn't do what coach wants is evil. As another example of his changing memory, he said in his day after video that he went to exile to show how he was still the man, even though his body was failing. And again, as Carrie said, wait, I thought he went to exile because JT sent him there despite his pleas. So this goes back to the same changing narrative thing that you were talking about when it came to voting out Tyson. Yes, I mean, uh, there was discussion even prior to the challenge, um, uh, you know, with the coach saying, well, you know, it would be noble for JT or I to go and not to send the girls. But, you know, I don't think so. Then when JT wins, he looks at them all and he says, any volunteers? And that was a great moment for yes. coach to step forward. He didn't do it. And then JT selects him and says, uh, you know, do the noble thing. Uh, at which point then coach, you know, switches on the monastic approach, the marvellous monastic approach that he's going to go and make this a, a spiritual and, uh, uh, right. you know, a proving ground for his manhood. He even says while he's out there that, uh, you know, that Indigenous people would go out uh, as boys to become men and he hears what he's said and he says, but I'm already a man, <laughs> so this will mean I'd become more of a man. <laughs> you know. You almost love him. Yes. 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 All right. The fourth rule tells players not to let their emotions control them. And in many ways, all of coach's game was driven by emotion because that's the, you know, that's the basis of his whole push for honesty and integrity and everything else. But even more specifically than that, there were also times when he got angry, you know, after the vote against Sierra, a couple episodes before this one coach lost his damn mind because Stephen and Debbie got votes from Taj and Aaron. You know, he ranted that people who don't play the game even half as honestly or courageously as him pisses him off. And, you know, Debbie wisely told him that he had to let it go or it'll drive him nuts. But coach wasn't one to let go of anything. You know, to him, they were cowards because they had the nerve to not vote the way he wanted them to. It's true. And uh, it's not as if they voted against him because Sierra had voted for right. for him and now she was gone. So that's the person to be, you know, if you like, how dare you vote for me? Um, but it was about the behaviour of other women voting for mm-hmm. his warrior uh, guys. I mean, I certainly have the most, took the most notes about don't let your emotions control you because I think where I, I, I was sort of a little bit anti-coach when I first started watching the, the uh, season, to be honest. I thought I wish this wasn't the person we were talking about. But I found, um, you know, compassion and it was actually through this, he doesn't realise how he's revealing himself as the little boy that wants to uh, align with the big boys, that wants to be in the gang, that wants to be seen a certain way. Um, and his vulnerability comes up in this incredible emotionality that he that he plays the, the game with. Um, and 
the way his anger is a very righteous anger and his division of people into good and evil is really the people that like me uh, and massage me like JT was very good at, at, you know, deferring to coach. Yes, coach, you know, oh, yes, good, good job and all of that. And the people who defy me and speak against me and don't do what I say. Um, and this is, this is this incredible emotionality, but it's very revealing. And I think uh, I, I'm almost intrigued now to watch his latest seasons because I think that he, you know, he might have gained a little more insight. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I honestly don't remember. I think he definitely became more of a character in, you know, he, he saw what he was and played into it more. Um, but also we just watched heroes versus villains. And in that earlier in the season, you know, Tyson coaches upset and Tyson has to pull him aside and he goes to Tyson and wants advice. And Tyson says, well, I'll give you advice, but you're not going to like it. And he said to him, one, stop wearing the stupid feathers at tribal council. You look silly Two, stop telling your stories. Nobody believes them. You know, and that's the advice that he gave him. But of course, as soon as as soon as that happened, he ignored all of it. Yeah, well, I think that goes back to his his commitment to the character of coach. Yeah. Him having probably seen his first season and understanding, understanding why Survivor Production wants him and fulfilling, you know, their want. Uh, right. I did note that he did his, you know, which, what, what we'll call Tai Chi. I know he says it's a, he's the only white Coach man Chi. to know this. <laughs> but he, I, I've said that he does his Tai Chi in full view of everybody, in full view. So he talks about meditation, spirituality. I would just sort of go off to the side. Were it me, I'd go off to the side, but no, full view. So the sweeping camera shots can happen. He comes back. Sierra calls him hilarious. Coach, you're hilarious. And he he actually can't hear that word because he can't believe that somebody would see him like that when he's been nobly out in the water thanking the creator for having been created. And he asks her to repeat it, and she says that he's hilarious and this is what I'm talking about, that vulnerability that you see. He looks genuinely hurt, like mm. really hurt, and then he switches it and he says, Sierra, after her comments today, she is the bowel movement that comes out of the dragon. So yeah, for yeah, having was, made this light, yeah. flippant comment, it, it was really very disgusting and I would have been even more furious had I not seen that moment of genuine little boy hurt uh, from her comment, I think I think that the comments that people make, which makes him turn on them, or it's not their fault, he decides mm-hmm. to turn on them after they've made the comments, genuinely hurt him and genuinely cut him. And we know that you can't take things personally, especially on Survivor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but speaking of, you know, kind of that leads right into the fifth rule, which talks about the social game and reminds players they need to pretend to be nice. But that wasn't something Coach was particularly interested in doing. You know, he often didn't care at all what his tribe mates thought. Um, in episode six, for example, the there there was what Brendan called another one of those coach moments, which even became the episode title. It was actually funny. There were three, at least three in a row uh, quotes that were either about coach or by coach uh, t- episode titles. 
But it, so what happened was they were boiling the beans while a storm was rolling in. Everyone else thought the beans were done, but not coach. He liked them a certain way. He liked them softer. So he poured in river water, which meant the pot had to heat up again and boil for at least six minutes to sterilize everything. And but then the storm came in and instead of staying out there, coach left the beans and gets in the shelter. By the time the storm passes, many of the beans had burned. All the water had boiled off and they had turned to charcoal. Now, this is a situation where you have so little food and he destroyed a full meal. Then what made it worse was he acted like he had done nothing wrong. And Sierra was, you know, telling the truth, as she often did. And she said, if anyone else had done that, he'd have been all over them. And that's true. And then, like, the next episode, Coach told us that 20 days in, he had been having to hold in his thoughts on all the annoying things his tribe mates were doing. <laughs> it's like, I didn't see what? holding it in, really. <laughs> what? You were annoyed by them? It was quite a scene with uh, the tribe mates kind of chewing, chewing on the charcoal beans from the bottom yes. of the pot. That he had burnt, and there was not a word of apology from him. But they're just thinking, "I've got to eat something. I've got to get this charcoal in." But she was right that there were things that he did that that he would have slammed other people from doing. And this is this lack of, of, of self reflection and self knowledge that I think maybe he gets a little spark of later. Maybe I'm being too generous. <laughs> well, I mean, in his day after video uh, from Survivor Insider, he said that he found the game to be a spiritual journey which made it hard to listen to the small talk at camp. So I guess that was his excuse for not getting along with everyone. But yeah. in, in the meantime, he told story after story, believing people wanted to hear them, but people neither wanted to hear them, nor did they think they were real. Uh, Brendan said at one point, if I don't believe his stories, how can I believe what he's saying to the, to my face? And, Absolutely. And that's a very good point. And this is where the social game kind of links in because while we might not have known how much truth there was to some of his stories, we could see the exaggeration just in this episode, this, this 12th episode, when he talked about his time on exile, he told us while he was there, he said, I had very little water. Okay. Fast forward to him showing up at the immunity challenge. And he told Jeff Probst, his fellow players, I didn't have any water. These are not the same thing. And we don't know what the truth was. We only know he told the cameras I had very little water. For all we know, he was chugging it down. But even there's even a difference between I had very little and I had none. And, you know, then go past the challenge. And after after the challenge was over, coach said if medical would look at his back, they'd take him out of the game. And I sorry, I go along with what Aaron and Taj said. He didn't be even before they said it. I was thinking the exact same thing. He didn't want medical to look at his back because they'd say nothing's wrong. And that would ruin all his drama and all his exaggeration. Mm. Absolutely. And even in the way that he talks about, I can't I can't talk to someone who has no honor. You all can. You, you can all do it. Uh, but I'm too I'm too pure to do it. So, again, mm -hmm. this is not playing the social game, because not only are you cutting yourself off from talking to absolutely everybody, which, of course, you know, you should constantly be checking with everybody, um, but it also 
elevates in his speech, it elevates him above these other people who are quite able to talk to evil and dishonourable people, unlike him. And to the water thing, I did notice both that and that when he steps into line to be for the instruction for the um, for the immunity challenge, he whispers to JT, "Can I have some?" Can oh I yeah, have and then he, he grabs the water. Can, can I have some water? And then he turns away. Don't don't look at me drinking it. Don't look at me drinking it. And, yeah. and chugs it down. It's like oh. Please. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the thing is, as we know from Exile, I mean, they did have they did have probably a fairly hard time. But there's a gorgeous scene early on where Taj confesses to Stephen that it's not that bad, and he la- They both have a good old laugh when she's telling right. him about the secret alliance, and he's saying, "Oh, is it is it hard out there?" And she said, "No, it's not. It's not that hard. It's not that hard." I mean, I think if it's raining and you don't have a a fire and all of those sorts of things, um, you know, it's it's not pleasant, but it uh, it certainly doesn't pop three discs and they bulge and your asthma and yes, but I don't want to make excuses. As right. he says, I don't want to make right. excuses. Yeah. Now I did have an interview just, just so we know, cause I doubted his, his asthma uh, because I have asthma and I, you know, nothing I saw from him made it look like any sort of asthma attack, but I will say that in one of my other interviews uh, they did mention, yes, he really does have asthma. One, one of the other does. players. So, yeah, one I, thing, I wasn't one so much. Yeah. Right. I wasn't so much questioning his asthma. Right. I was questioning that the list of ailments, including oh, yes. including right. asthma. But I make no excuses. But yes. I make no excuses. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Now, when you just made. Yeah. <laughs> now, when Debbie turned on Coach last episode, uh, she did say, you know, he was pretty much driving everyone crazy. Uh, in camp, including herself, and she'd been with him the whole time. Uh, she said, people are tired of comments and directives and not doing a whole lot around camp. And then in, in this episode, of course, Aaron called him out while Taj talked about him being a jerk and said she was so ready to send his ass home. The biggest jerk on the planet, yes. says Aaron. <laughs> One-upping Taj. Just, yes. You know. A jerk, Aaron, uh, biggest jerk on the planet. Yeah. So, ah, oh, well, all right. Well, the sixth rule warns against being too much of a threat, and I cannot imagine that Coach was in any way, shape, or form a threat to win at the end. That said, Stephen apparently was worried about it because in this episode he commented that Coach still, excuse me, still had a lot of strength and fight in him, and you want to take someone to the end that you can beat. Now, personally. I would have thought everybody would want coach at the end because I can't imagine him getting any votes. But then again, Stephen didn't get any votes against JT. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly in later seasons we see that, that, that the, the very annoying person either goes early or is kept on. Uh, very late right. because of, of of that idea of the final two, which um, I know is Appendix A. Keep your keep your end goals in mind. But um, so I was thinking that too of like, why wouldn't you keep Coach? He hasn't done that much in challenges. Um, he's a really predictable player. Brendan calls him predictable, and as we've discussed, because he was so open about who he liked and who he didn't like, and what was right and what was wrong, you could see where, where his votes were going to go. JT, as you said, he's a few steps ahead. Um, but I think it might have come to a point of they just couldn't couldn't do with him anymore. 
they just couldn't do with yeah. him anymore. Yeah. And they kind of knew who their final, their final three was. Right, right. All right. Well, the seventh rule covers dealing with idols and advantages and coach didn't manage to get an idol. Uh, he did no. repeatedly try to convince JT and Steven to get rid of Taj because of her idol. Uh, but little did, did he know that was actually Steven's idol. Uh, because I, I did find it interesting that they actually broached the subject of who owned the idol. And I didn't remember that because Taj gave it to Steven. So it was his. Now she thought she was just giving it to him to hold. But when you give someone an idol on Survivor, it's theirs. Uh, he put it in his pocket. He had it for a while. Taj found it when she was going to make a fake immunity idol. And she wanted to see the real one. So she found it and she took it. Because in her mind, it was still hers. But then when Stephen and JT discussed it several episodes ago, they realized it wasn't really hers. You could see them talking through it. And to me, it would have been interesting to see that play out on screen. Like Taj stands up and says, I want to play this idol, Jeff. And Jeff would have had to respond. I'm sorry, but that's not your idol to play. Please give it back to Stephen. Mm. I was fascinated. I had completely forgotten that as well. And it was a really good. See, this is where you can see uh, JT and Stephen obeying all your rules, but especially that flexibility one. Taj is an absolute ride or die alliance member. However, a circumstance has arisen which changes things potentially. And it hopes you to to think about that, to discuss it. And certainly they discussed it. They discussed that it was now safely buttoned back into the back pocket of, of Stephen's arseless dress pants. So, therefore, it was Stephen's. Um, and should they vote out Taj? And this is what good players do. They don't say, I'm going to, I want to. This is the... Should we? Let's think. Let's think it through and see if and uh, see if we should. Um, so I found that very interesting. And yes, I would have loved to have seen that, but uh, glad, glad perhaps that they didn't because I I found her very compelling, very compelling watching her her play again. But for coach with idols and advantages, he never wanted to go to um, exile where they knew there were clues to idols. Mm-hmm. So he never put himself in the position of finding the clue and trying to find the idol for himself. And the only thing he could think of to do with an idol was to vote out the person who had it, not ally with them, discuss, um, ask them for it. I mean, you know, all the other things that you can do with idols. It was as if he didn't want that to intrude on the purity of the way he was playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Appendix A is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting and says to vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong, of course. Uh, Aaron and Taj wanted to get rid of Coach for many perfectly good reasons. Uh, Stephen apparently felt he had to do that as well. And I, I guess it's probably true that Coach had a better shot of winning immunity than Taj or Aaron. Uh, plus, he was more likely to take Warrior JT to the end instead of Wizard Steven. You know, so from that point of view, Steven was right to oust him. But I, I don't know. I mean, yes, you should be getting rid of the strong, unaligned players at this point. He was in the alliance, but so was everyone. Everyone was in some sort of alliance at that point. Um, I don't know that I would consider him one of the strong players, though. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, certainly the way that he was um, uh, creeping around. I mean, he's 37. 
in this. That really shocked me uh, how young he was, talk about age. Mm-hmm. I thought a 37-year-old man who who is fit, I mean, he had he has muscles and he does his Tai Chi and everything. He His showing in, in, in the group immunity challenges, of course, I was watching him particularly because we were going to talk today, mm-hmm. uh, and his showing in individual challenges was very middle of the road. Um, and I thought that if you were just putting them side by side, that I would think Aaron would be a stronger player uh, in those physical challenges. And especially as we get towards the end and they become endurance and we know that small, light women have, a, have an advantage in those uh, endurance right. challenges, even though the actual one that he went out in was endurance and there were two men at the end. Nonetheless, um, if I was looking forward, I might see Aaron as more uh, uh, more of a challenge, although you would question her friends on the jury and wonder, you know, wonder where those votes were. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we are uh, through the rules here. Uh, what are your final thoughts to wrap things up for you? My final thoughts. So you have paper Coach, notes. You really are playing the role of Jessica really, here. Yeah, yeah, I am. Here you go. Uh, for the people who are just listening on the sound, that was yeah. paper. So Coach came into the game saying, I want to change the game from start to finish. I've said that from the beginning. Like others before and since, he insisted he would never lie that he and only he had honour and integrity and he poured scorn on those he saw as liars and cowards, cowards, cowards all around him. He said he was surrounded by wishy-washy people of no character. He called women cancer, poison apples and, as we said, unfortunately, bowel movements. When he went to Exile Island, he forgot he was playing a game for a million dollars and made it about his spiritual journey, alienating those around him. On Exile, he posed for the camera as it's swept by him with marvellous music playing, loving himself in the moment, and maybe we loved him a little bit too. Despite his posturing, he perhaps did have a profound uh, experience on exile, but it was nothing to do with the game. In the end, he was breakable, bending, yielding, measurable, movable, and fincible, and that <laughs> is why Coach lost. <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny because I have some of the same quotes you do here. Coach said, I don't care about the million dollars. I care about my integrity and honor and changing this game from start to finish. And a number of survivor players over the years have said they were going to do what coach wanted to do. None have accomplished it. And there's a reason for that. This is a game, not a mission for King Arthur's round table. Coach was not Sir Lancelot. He was closer to Don Quixote tilting at windmills. Uh, Maybe he didn't care about the million dollars, but everyone else did. In our interview, coach told me I'm not delusional. I've done everything I claim to have done. It has tested who I am. It has been some wonderfully high times and some low times. I am who I am, but I probably learned that nobody can take away that identity that I have. And that's great for him. I met coach once in Reno, and he seemed like a nice enough guy for the few minutes that I was there. Uh, But as we've mentioned a few times now, that's not what these rules of this podcast is about. Despite coaches protestations to the contrary he did indeed scheme and plot though he hampered himself by not having any secrets he was completely inflexible emotional and had a hard time socially integrating himself with his tribe mates yes he lasted through almost the whole game but part of it was just being taken along he kept saying he was in control but that was never the case first it was tyson doing all the actual work then jt and steven took over in the end The women wanted to get rid of Coach because of how annoying he was. Meanwhile, Stephen wanted to do it for strategic reasons. 
coach had multiple problems that were going to keep him from winning with a big one being that he supposedly didn't care if he won on survivor. You have to do what needs to be done. And that includes scheming, plotting, lying, and adapting yourself to the situation around you. Coach wouldn't do any of these things and just wanted to change the game to suit his own moral code. Well, we recently finished season 40 and the game still hasn't changed in that regard. It's about playing to win, which coach refused to do. And that is why coach lost. Wonderful. Well. All David, right. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you are, Jessica. See, look at that. Yes, I had to get it in once. I forgot to say it earlier. <laughs> All right. Well, before we look ahead to the next episode, um, let me remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are available in both poster and T-shirt form. Uh, so, again, for the shirt, go to robhasawebsite.com or robhasapodcast.com. Click on the merch link, then sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. Uh, next week is the final stop in the uh, Survivor Journey Through Time. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I believe Jessica will be back. I hope that she will be able to uh, overcome her, uh, her work issues. Uh, we're going back to the end of the beginning in episode 13 of the very first season of Survivor. Uh, so I will, you know, we will be rewatching that whole season. I'm, well, I was going to say I believe, but I know that is the season I've watched more than any. Um, I have, you know, I have the DVD. I've watched that multiple times this time because it's a lot easier to watch it on CBS All Access when CBS All Access doesn't freeze on me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch it that way. But, you know, even before, uh, even before we go through that episode, um, I do want to remind people again that uh, you can see or hear me, Jessica, and another different member of the class of 2020 for our second Big Brother Why Blank Lost podcast in just a few days. And of course, we don't know who that will be yet. Well, I have some suspicions of who that will be, but we're a non-spoiler for that. So, um, so, so anyway, as we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Once you join, uh, you'll see that Rob does tons of these patron only call in shows a month, plus a weekly Q and A show with Nicole, plus trivia plus mafia all these things uh, I, as i mentioned before in the past couple months he's done a seven hour patron call-in show and then a six hour patron call-in show and of course even when rob isn't talking directly to everyone there are the facebook groups to keep people occupied uh talk about survivor big brother life in general so again everyone remember to go to rob has website.com slash patron and uh you know we will see you there uh another way that people oh go ahead Oh, I was going to say, um, if I really am Jessica, I should do the thank yous, but we might not be up to that yet. No, not well. See, she would say something like that too. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, let me, let me go ahead and do the Twitter stuff here. So another place that people can contact us, I am, uh, as it says right there at David Bloomberg, uh, on Twitter. Uh, Jessica, who's not here is at Jessica Lewis 89 and Sarah, you are. At Sarah Carey. At Sarah Carey. Uh, so is there any place else that people can find you or is Twitter the best place? Twitter's the best place. I like the tweeties. Okay. 
Uh, any ideas for a hashtag? And no, not bowel movement of the dragon. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no, don't don't say that. Don't say that. It's just it's so awful. I yeah. almost didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, I, you know, I yeah. think that it just smooths over some ugliness. If you know, uh, he he said, "Well, what, should we use his own words? I know who I am." Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's There's a bit so general. Um, yeah. How about how about hashtag hashtag Vincible? Vincible. I like it. Hashtag Vincible, V-I-N-C-I-B-L-E. Yes. Uh, because he was not yes. invincible. So when those, those two cancel, you get Vincible. Uh, and of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, YX Lost. So everyone should make sure you're subscribed to all the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or on your favorite podcatcher. We, of course, are also on the reality TV Rehap Ups feed. And by subscribing to the Rehap Ups feed, you also automatically get our Big Brother podcast as well. Or you can just survive to everything that RHAP does. Uh, well, plus the Rehap Ups. So just subscribe to everything. Um, now, also on the Rehap Ups, right now, the hottest show of 2020 is The Mole. Uh, at least that's the hot take from the team at Mole Patrol, which is a reality TV rehab ups podcast about the long gone reality thriller hosted by Anderson Cooper. Uh, each week, Josh Wiggler, Jessica Lease, and Brooklyn Zed are on the hunt for the mole, a double agent among a cast of 10 players vying for a cash prize. The catch is that only one of the three podcasters has no idea who the mole is. Uh, Josh Wiggler has never seen the mole before, while Brooklyn Zed and Jess have multiple times each. Um, I'm watching along with them too. And uh, the mole was one of my favorite shows. As a matter of fact, the mole from season two wrote about survivor for my website after the mole was over. Uh, I think, yeah. So I think the column was, you know, the mole, the mole's view on survivor or something like that. Yeah. It's a Uh, terrific, terrific uh, podcast. And I'd never seen them all before. So I've been watching along. Uh, I started off trying to, to to be with, with Josh and just, uh, I couldn't help myself. I did look ahead. I do know who the mole is. Uh, Either way, either way, you can just listen to the podcast. Uh, You can listen and watch along or you can, you can remember it's a terrific show. Yeah, I mean, the podcast is perfect for anyone who has seen the show and wants that boost of nostalgia or anyone who's discovering the mole for the first time like you are. And, you know, it, well, you could have had a spoiler free experience alongside Josh, but you you spoiled yourself. The funny thing is, I did. the funny thing is that I as I was watching, I'm like, oh, my gosh, who is the mole? I can't remember. And as I've been watching now, I'm like, OK, I think I know who the final three are. I think I remember who the mole is, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So there's a little bit of mystery for me still, just a little bit. Um, so everyone can listen to Mole Patrol yeah. every week and they can even send feedback into Mole Patrol at robhasawebsite.com. So if you want to go ahead and do the thanks, now would be the time. I will. And uh, I hope I get them all right. So thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who edits all the podcasts and does an absolutely terrific job. Thank you, Scott. Um, thanks so much to Will from America, who does the uh, theme song to this and many of the uh, Rob Has a Podcast Network shows, uh, including other songs like It's Karate Time, available on iTunes. Well done, Will. <laughs> 
thank you to Jessica for letting me sit in her seat and rustle her papers. Thanks, Jessica. I can't wait to have you back. And David, thank you very much for having me on the show today. And thank you to Rob for everything that he does in this network. Yes, and I want to give you a big thanks for jumping in, watching all these episodes, and uh, you know having having a, a great great podcast here. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, with that, uh, you know, I will uh, hopefully see here. Well, people will see here me. I won't see them necessarily, but uh, in a few days for Big Brother, and then again next week for. Uh, the, the finale of the first season of Survivor. Thanks again. Bye. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.